of what it means to be genius. Look at Oprah. All she was was the hungriest person to learn about people. And that's why she was the greatest interviewer. The, the top minds in the world. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. This is an episode of the podcast that I've been excited for for a very long time. Okay, today we're sitting down with Caleb Maddox. I've been meaning to meet this dude for a while now. We've crossed paths at a couple events, but we never had the time to sit down and line up an interview. So I'm stoked to sit down and chat with him today about his experience becoming a millionaire by 16 and really give you some guidance as to how you can begin to really start to see some traction in the things that you're doing at a very young age. Age. So without further ado, I'm gonna let Caleb introduce himself because he does it best. I want you guys to sit back, relax, plug in, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Caleb Maddox. All right, Caleb, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing good, bro. Thanks for coming over to the place. Shout out to all the listeners who are taking time out of their day to uh, to listen to a podcast. You guys are already taking the first step to living a good life and really getting whatever you want. So like if you guys are doing this with your time, you're already killing it and it's an honor that I now get to know you. So there we happy go. to be on, bro. It's an honor to be at your place, man. I can't believe, dude, 17 years old. I wish I was living like this at 17, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, honestly, for me, I, I agree. Like me being able to live the way I live at 17 is pretty amazing. Yeah. But for me, it's not about the apartment. It's not about anything like that. <laughs> for me, what it's like living at 17 is what I'm able to do. Straight up. You know, and like being able to inspire the people I inspire and work on the projects I'm working on for me, my goal is for every single 17-year-old out there in the future to be able to do that because we teach them the right things, we pour the right things into their mind. And uh, for me, people look at me and they, they think of me as not normal, but I, I wanna be the norm. That, that, that's my end goal, so I appreciate that, bro. Straight Thank up, you. dude, I love it, I love it. So our listeners got to hear a little bit about you in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that aren't super familiar with Caleb Maddox, what you're currently working on, give us a, like a 60 to, second, 60 to 90 second snapshot of where you're at right now in time. Yeah, for sure. So basically, the main focus of mine right now is, and I know this sounds kind of crazy, so I'm just going to okay, go for okay. it, yeah, is basically it, to fix the human race, okay? okay? And basically meaning, right now we're getting set up to fail. Hmm. Everything around us setting us up to fail. The school system sets us up to, to, to hate learning, to hate a lot. Think about this, right? The worst problem with society, in my opinion, is that school is boring. Mm. All right, I, in my opinion, that's the worst. The worst problem, okay. and it's not the worst problem because that's actually the worst thing that happens. No, but it's the worst because it's the the root of all problems. Right? Think about this. All right, school. You know, kids. You, you might say, well, kids should just get over it. They, they just need to get over <laughs> it. It's just school, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you think about a kid waking up every single morning and thinking, oh, I don't want to go into school today. That does so many different things. The first thing it does is immediately starts their day off with negativity. Yeah. That's the first thing that it does. And what that does is that over a 12-year span of time, that compounds. Straight up. And, and to guess what? Them being negative whenever they're older. Yeah. They're used to waking up with that negative thought. Mm. Not, not only that, but also they associate school with work. So we wonder why we have so many adults that hate their jobs, hate their lives, hate their bosses. It's because they're taught to hate their life at a young age. And not only that, let's also think about this. Like, what is school? Well, it teaches kids to learn. Mm -hmm. And literally, if you think about how kids hate to hate school, what do they associate school with? Learning. It creates this hatred for learning because kids hate to go to school. They hate to learn. And it compounds into now kids and now adults end up hating to learn, which is the single most important trait of someone who's going to become successful. Look at like Michael Jordan. All he was was the hungriest person to learn about basketball. Mm. That's why he's the greatest. Look at Albert Einstein. All he was was the hungriest person to learn about physics. That's why he's the icon of what it means to be genius. Look at Oprah. All she was was the hungriest person to learn about people. And that's why she was the greatest interviewer. The, the top minds in the world are always the most hungry to learn. And 
we're literally snuffing that away from kids. We're teaching kids to hate to learn. So my focus is to, right now we're working on something called Apex for Kids. And basically the goal of Apex for Kids is to create a learning process that's fun and addictive for kids. The same way kids get addicted to video games, we want kids to be addicted about learning about goals and learning about taking responsibility and learning about doing what they love and learning about people skills and learning about being confident. We want them to learn the right things in the right way. So my entire focus right now is we created the world's first ever fun, relatable, entertaining, and powerful learning system for kids. And so far we have over 7,000 families who are a part of the movement and that's tens of thousands of kids because each yeah. family has you know uh multiple kids so we're that we're already making waves like if you look at the the kids that we have a part of it honestly i don't think there's anything out there any program that has more testimonials compared to the to the kids in the program or to the adults of the program if they have a pro- program for adults we have the highest testimonial ratio to customers out of any program on earth so for me that's my entire focus i've done a lot of stuff in the past but i look at my life and I used to be completely shy, completely insecure. I couldn't talk to someone. I would hide behind my dad's leg. <laughs> I would start crying. And now I have the confidence I have. It was purely one change that my dad made, and that's he started paying me $20 for every single book I would read. Huh. So I started reading the success principles, Think Go Rich, all these type of books that would teach these principles. And those principles changed my life. And because it changed my life, I was like, man, I want to teach more kids about this. And that's been my entire focus over the last few years. And I noticed out of everything I put out there, all the videos I've put out, videos that have reached 40 million plus people, out of everything I put out there, the number one thing that's made the biggest difference was whenever I was able to teach kids specifically. So because it's the number one thing that changed my life, because it's the number one thing that, that I've done that actually transformed other people's lives, and my, into- my only focus is to make people's lives better, and because the number one problem with society is the fact that school is boring, kids find learning is boring, kids find working as boring, the new focus is to create this learning system for kids that's addictive, fun, and relatable to them because it's from a kid to a kid as well. So, so that, that's the focus. I wasn't 60, 90 seconds. I was a little <laughs> bit longer, but I get really passionate about this. Man. Straight, I can tell, man. And I'm, I'm jazzed for you, dude. That sounds like that's that's a mission that I'm, I can really get behind. Because, I mean, that's the whole purpose of the podcast. It's like, here's all the things you could do with your life. Here are people who are killing it at a young age for you to look up to and for you to learn from. So I'm super stoked to have you here today. Now, the, the thing that I want to flash back to is you mentioned your dad was paying you $20 to read these like personal development books. At what age did that start? So I was seven years old whenever that was happening. Wow. Because I went over to a friend's house and uh, the, my friend's mom walked up to him when we were playing video games mm-hmm. on the couch because yeah. that's what kids do at sure seven, enough. right? And uh, she tapped him on the shoulder and handed him a $20 bill. Hmm. And I was like, man, like at seven, you know, at seven years old, bro, $20, $20 it's a lot $20, of money, bro. Man. It's a lot of money. So I was like, <laughs> dude, what did you do? And he said he did these things called chores. Mm-hmm. Anytime he would take out the trash, do the dishes, all this mm-hmm. stuff, if he did it throughout the month, he would get paid. It's a pretty basic concept, yeah. right? But I was immediately angry because I was already doing chores. I just wasn't getting paid to do them. Ooh. So I went up to my, the next time I saw my dad, he picked me up and I was like, dad, I want to get paid to do chores. And he told me no. And I was like, why? All my friends get paid to chores. He said, uh, because you're not going to get paid for that whenever you're older. Like now I have my own place at, at 17, right? And whenever I do the dishes, no one comes up and hands me $20. <laughs> but my dad said, I, you know, you're not going to get paid for that whenever you're older. But what you will get paid for is what you know, what's mm-hmm. in your head, the concepts that you've learned and the traits that you have. So he was like, what I am going to pay you for is learning. So he started paying me $20 to start reading books. Huh. And I look at my life, I never got paid to take out the trash. But everything I learned is the reason I'm going to make my first million dollars by 16 and travel the world and do the things I do is because of stuff I know. Straight so, up. So that's how it kind of started. So talk about school as well, because like at that time period, you were already starting to learn about personal development. How was school going for you? Were you taking school seriously? Were you somebody who was like dreading school every single day? 
I was definitely dreading school every day. I, the only thing I didn't dread about school was I, I had friends, right? Okay. So like kids comment on my videos and they're like, I don't hate school. I'm like, well, what do you hate? What, what don't you hate about school? Yeah. Well, I like my friends. What's well, like, you can obviously have friends yeah. without school, right? So like basically what I'm talking about whenever I say school, it's not that kids hate school. It's that they hate the learning part of school, mm. which is what school actually is, yeah. you know? So for me, I didn't hate school necessarily, but I hated the learning process of it, sitting in a class. You know, I remember one day I learned about how to measure with an underwater barometer. And the moment I learned about that, I was like, dude, like, like I, th th it made no sense to me. So for me, yeah. I hated that entire process because I was like, I was reading these books and chapter one of the success principles completely changed my life around 180 degrees. I had a complete massive transformation, it gave me confidence. I saw results. And the other things I was learning in school, I wasn't seeing results. Hmm. So whenever I started reading these books, like at first it was just, oh, it's school. And then I started realizing, man, if school if, if like, if the thing that's supposed to be teaching me, I don't feel like I'm getting any results from, that's whenever I started to lose interest. And I was always decent at school okay. because I was good at remembering things and you know, I, I just kind of came naturally. So I didn't get terrible grades, but just the entire process of school became really long and really boring. And that's why I've set on this mission to like make it fun. Sure and that, that's the eventual goal. So are you still going to school these days? Well, I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm homeschooled now. Okay. I, I do. I do very few work now because okay. I've gotten a lot of it done. Um, so I'm in, I'm ending up high school this year, um, and then then that'll, that'll be the the end. That'll be the end of school. Awesome! I love it, man. I love it. So when it comes to like a, a listener who's like 16, 17 years old right now, like yourself, um, what do you think it is that sort of set you apart other than like reading the books? Because obviously that had a huge impact on you. But like, what do you think are the differentiators between the 16, the 17 year old who like starts making stuff happen at a young age and, and that just sort of falls in line with everybody else? I have a very simple answer, and because I've thought about this a lot, like what makes me privileged to live the life I live now? Because yeah. I don't feel, you know, a lot of people say like, I'm not lucky. Mm -hmm. I feel extremely lucky. Because the way I think about life is, everything that happens to you, yes, it was your free will, but at the same time, like you are who you are. Meaning like, if someone was put where I'm at right now, mm -hmm. like they were born the first day I was born and put exactly where I was at, they would end up in this exact second, the exact moment that I'm in right now, guaranteed. Hmm. And the reason why is because if, if they have the exact same circumstances, the exact same thought process, the exact same environment, it's guaranteed that you end up the right way, right? So they would have the exact same inputs that I have. So for me, I don't feel necessarily, I, I feel extremely blessed, but I also feel lucky. But at the same time, I also was, what I feel lucky about is not that I was just given where I'm at, because yeah. I was not given where I'm at at all. I earned it, I sacrificed. There was, so, I mean, hours on hours. My entire childhood was spent having a lot of fun because I enjoyed it, but also doing things that most kids would never do. So the thing that, se that separates me was input. Hmm. And that's the thing that separates everyone in life. You know, I think about life is, is really one word and that's inputs because inputs create outputs. Right. And a lot of people focus on outputs. They're like, Caleb, you know, they focus on the output of me making my first million dollars or focus on the output of me writing nine books or whatever the output may be. But outputs aren't controllable. An output is an output only because there was a set amount of inputs that created that output. So I think about life as a machine, right? And, and basically the, the way this machine works is, you may have heard this whole concept of garbage in, garbage out before. Yeah. If you put garbage into this machine, garbage will come out of the machine. If you put money into the machine, money will come out of the machine. What you put in is what you get out every single time and that's how life works. So for example, one of my uh, closest friends, his name is Phil. Mm -hmm. You just met him a yeah. second ago before, the, before we started the podcast. Phil has a six pack. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people look at his output and they're like, man, he's lucky, genetics, whatever. But what they don't realize is, it's not that Phil has a six pack, that's an output. You can't control an output. Hmm. But what Phil was privileged with was the opportunity to learn the right things and he started taking the right actions like he eats the right food. 
He goes to the gym every single day. He drinks a gallon of water. He has a specific amount of inputs that have created his output. At one time in his life, he was scrawny. He was like 130 pounds by the time he was our age. Hmm. Like scrawny little kid. But he started to change his inputs and guess what happened? His outputs changed. So for me, if you look at anybody, like the, the answer for any human being on earth, you look at them and say, why are you you? It's because you are a combination of every single input that you've ever implanted. So a lot of kids, their input was what? Video games. It was gossiping, bad friends, watching TV, watching shows, scrolling through YouTube, playing on, you know, going through social media. They had all of these inputs and that's why they had the output of being, uh, living a normal life, an average life. Sure. For me, my inputs were reading books, doing daily habits, watching Tony Robbins, going to events, studying Warren Buffett. My inputs is what created the output of the life I live now. Hmm. So for me, like people always ask me, Caleb, how do I get to where you're at? It's not, how do, how do you get to where I'm at? It's what did I do? And that's, that's why I did my entire life. I believe there's power in patterns. Yeah. I love this study. You hear me talk about it a lot. I always mention like Oprah did this. Mm-hmm. Tony Robbins did this. You know, Jeff Bezos did this. Go way back and talk about like Martin Luther King did this. Jesus Christ did this. You look at these inputs. People are a sum of all their inputs. So I don't ever say, how do I get this output? All I say is, how do I get, how do I do the inputs they inputted so I can get their output? Because mm-hmm. it's inevitable. I call them inevitable inputs. Like look at like, Jeff Bezos, for example, sure. wealthiest man in the world, number one company on the planet, Amazon. Jeff Bezos never had the goal of having the output of being the wealthiest man in the world. He never had the goal of having the output of making billions of dollars or having a trillion dollar company. Mm-hmm. He never focused on an output. He said, what is the input that would create this output? And you know what that was? He thought, okay, if we, have, if we treat our customers the greatest on earth, we will in return. Customers give us money. So if we treat them the best on earth, in return, we will have the number one company on the planet. Mm-hmm. So he didn't focus on the output. He said, not to his team, he didn't fire them up by saying, we're going to be the number one company on the planet. We're, we're going to make the most money. He said, we're going to be the most customer-centric company on earth. That's what Jeff Bezos said. Mm-hmm. And he focused on that. And he told his team, we're going to be the most customer-centric company. We only focus on customers. We don't even think about competitors. We don't focus on profit. We don't focus on any of this stuff. We focus on being the most customer-centric company on earth. He had an input goal. And that input is what created the output of him being the wealthiest man in the world and then being the number one company on the face of the earth, them and Apple fluctuate. So if you find the most successful people, they didn't have outputs. Michael Jordan was not the greatest basketball player because he had the output of being tall. There's a lot of tall people. Yeah. He had the inputs of every single day waking up and working on his craft. He inputted the right things and got the output. So the reason I live my life and I'm where I'm at is the reason everyone else is where they're at. Inputs. Inputs create outputs. So if you want to get a specific place, don't say, how do I get this output? Because that's far. That's long. You can't focus on it. Like, I want to fix the human race. I want to change society. I want to make the world a better place. I literally want to change the world. And most people talk about a hype. That's literally my entire focus. It's what I think about 24-7. But I know I can't focus on the output of changing the world. All I can focus on is the inputs that will get there. And, and so my, my message to people, and this is like a very basic and simple concept, but mm-hmm. it's like Steve Jobs says, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Yeah. The more simple you keep it, the better. Like, like Albert Einstein says, only a genius can simplify. Albert Einstein says, you don't truly know something unless you can explain it to a six-year-old, right? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think they have this complex concept. That's what makes them a genius. What makes you a genius is being able to take something really complex and make it simple. Mm-hmm. Exact same thing here. If simplified, if you want anything in life, here's what you do. Identify the output and identify the inputs that you need to input every single day to get that output. And if you do those inputs, it is inevitable that you get to the output. 
If you focus on an output, you can get lucky, hopefully. But if you focus on an input, it's impossible that you don't get lucky. Hmm. If, if you focus on an output, it's possible that you succeed. But if you focus on an input, it's impossible that you fail. Hmm. So I'm focusing on inputs, create outputs. I like that a lot. I like that metaphor a lot. I think it's going to really help out a lot of the listeners. So talk to us about now, because I see a lot of people out there, a lot of young people especially, they're taking in a lot of things. They're reading a lot of business books. They're watching a lot of YouTube videos, like educational. They're listening to podcasts, but they're not taking action. Like sometimes there's yeah. this gap that exists between like taking in this input of like learning, but not actually doing. So how do you think about that gap? And, and has that ever been like an issue for you? So a lot of people think whenever I talk about this concept, and I'm glad you brought this up, bro. Mm -hmm. good, good question. Thank you. I can tell you, you're very <laughs> curious, which is, which is key. Um, a lot of people think that whenever I say inputs, I'm only talking about information because yeah. I read books, et cetera. But there's two parts of, of, of inputs, and that's information and also application. Yeah. Because a lot of people input books into their mind, but they don't input actions into their life. So for me, it, whenever I say inputs, it wasn't just the books I read, it was the habits that I had. Hmm. It was the actions I took. For example, I could have the input back in the, like whenever I wanted to reach millions of people on social media. Yeah. I had one, one input I had was studying the most people that reach millions of people. So I would watch Gary Vee and figure out how he did his videos. Mm -hmm. I would watch, you know, let's say Jake Paul, right? I would watch Jake and now I'm privileged to have, you know, connect with him, but I would watch him back in the day, just like figure out what's he do on YouTube. Yeah. I would watch Ariana Grande and see what is she post. I would input all this stuff, but at the same time, that wasn't my only input. Another one of my inputs was post a video every single day on Facebook. Hmm. And I inputted a, a daily video on Facebook every single day over and over and over and over again. And like, think about this. If you post a video every single day on Facebook and you're not just posting it or posting it because a lot of people take, they, they have application, but they also don't make adjustments. Hmm. You also make adjustments with your application. You say, is this working? So I would always put, I'd post a video every single day and also say, okay, is this working? And I would notice this video did better than this one. Okay, I'm gonna post more of this. And I literally did this. This was a formula. I studied the top people in the world I implemented what they were doing. I also tried some new tactics because everyone's different. And I would say this worked and this didn't. This title worked, this title different. Doing with subtitles worked and doing it without it didn't. Doing this work, I would say this worked, this didn't. And all the stuff that didn't work, I threw it out. And all the stuff that did work, I took it in. And I kept doing more and more and more of it. And next thing you know, I have a video that reached 80,000 people. Then a video that reached a million people. And it got all the way up to where now I've had a video with 20 million views that reached 40 million people because of this simple process over and over and over and over again, meticulously going in and out. So it's not just about the books you read. It's also about the actions that you're taking, the habits that you develop. Like for me, I read a lot of books, but also every single day during that time span, like I knew, okay, you know, um, let's say, yeah, let's say I wanna connect with influence people. You have a podcast. Mm -hmm. One input's not just study the top podcasts. Another input could be reach out to five huge influencers with an in-depth like attack of, of connecting with them. Mm -hmm. That could be one input. So it's not just information, it's application. And if you're, if you're just inputting books, you're not doing anything. Because yeah. what is inputting a book? It's the information inputting it in. If you're inputting a book and you don't actually do anything with it, you didn't input that book, you just read that book. Like an input is, it's a part of you. You mm -hmm. adapt the concept, you adapt the traits, and it becomes a part of who you are. So. For me, I studied a lot, I did, but I also did so much and put in so many actions and reached out to so many people and was scrappy and was willing to fail and was willing to fall on my face and was willing to have a video that reached no people and was willing to try to you know, inspire someone and didn't inspire them at all. In fact, didn't work. I was willing to do that. So I, it, it's information combined with application combined with adjustments to the application that you're putting in. 
straight up. So when you were doing that, I'm assuming you were hit with some some backlash. I mean, everybody when they start putting out content, they get negative feedback and they get negative messages. So how how did you think about that, and was that something that got to you at first? So the the feedback, the criticism, never really got. I mean, it got to me a little bit in the beginning. Okay. But also not not as much as some people because I had a lot of confidence at the time. Mm-hmm. But one, I mean, really, what changed it for me is I remember I got a message once from someone that told me to go and kill myself. And they were like, they sent me a long message. I posted a video. Got it was super criticized. It was it was a good message. It also impacted a lot of people, but it also got so much hate and so much. Crit- and a lot of times, yeah. you find the best things that you do are going to get the most hate. Yeah. The reason why is guess what? The average human on earth is not in the right place, right? Because the inputs of society, which once again is the, is the school system, it's the 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 rap, the the music out there that talks about killing people and doing drugs. It's the foods that people eat. It's the TV shows we watch. The inputs of society creates an output of guess what a terrible society right humans do a lot of great things but at the same time if you meet most people they they're, they're as if, it's as it's as if they're asleep hmm. it's as if like you talk to them and they have no life they have no enthusiasm you ask them what do you want out of life they have no clue why because we don't input the right information in people's minds and we wonder why we get all these outputs of suicide rates higher than ever before depression's higher than ever before so like I look at society and, and so, much of it, so much of it is messed up. So if you're doing something and society accepts it fully, then you know you're not in the right path. Mm. So I put a lot of the videos I put out, I find the ones that get the most criticism is actually the ones I should be doing. Sometimes I've deleted videos because they didn't get enough criticism versus most people who delete <laughs> videos because they got too much criticism because I know I want the majority of people disagreeing with me because I disagree with the majority of people. Mm. So I started, I posted one video and it got tons of hate. And this guy messaged me, he was like, you should go and kill yourself. Like, you know, you know, you, you know, the world be better off without you. And I remember that was the first time that hate really got to me. Like it, I struggled with that. I was like, man, like it, it, like it was as if, you know, you ever like, like, uh, like playing in snow yeah. and your hands get really cold. Yeah. Imagine like you you stick your hand in snow and like, and then it gets like red and then someone smacks it. You know that like sting, like you can imagine like, yeah. like the sting that you would feel? That's how that comment felt. It was like the sting that I felt. And I remember thinking like, man, like if someone literally thinks I should die, like maybe like I'm posting the wrong stuff. Maybe I need to switch on my strategy. The next message I read was from a mother who said that her son was going to kill himself, but after seeing that video, decided not to. And in that moment, I realized I can live my life and deviate from criticism and and try to not be hated at the same time if i'm not hated then i also can't impact anyone Mm -hmm. like i can be either impacted by hate or impact people i can either try to impress people or impress upon people what they need to hear and my truth and it was in that moment i realized like i have to choose do i want to deal with criticism or do i want to impact the people that's an necessary impact because one person told me to kill myself and the other person didn't kill them kill uh themselves because of me so like i always say like choose like choose choose mediocrity or choose being able to take criticism take hate choose living a life that you want to live or choose living to everyone else's opinions like my motto is have 80 percent of people hate you so the other 20 percent of people can make you rich famous and happy like, mm-hmm. like that that's my belief so for me that was the moment that like now criticism doesn't bother me a lick like i i get hate i get comments i get messages and it's like i have my mission like i know like for as much hate as i get i also get messages of people that i change their life and i go look in the facebook group of kids that are in my program apex for kids and i see the results they're getting i see what they're doing and it's like man i'd much rather have that than not have any hate at all and people are like well caleb like doesn't that hate bother you 
What bothers me more is the amount of kids out there that are killing themselves. What bothers me more is the depression rates higher than ever before. What bothers me more is the way that society is, the, the fact that people are floating through life, the fact that people don't know where they wanna go. That's what bothers me. So if someone out there is dealing with hate, I got two messages. Number one, choose. Do you wanna be bothered by hate or do you wanna be bothered by the fact your mission isn't complete yet? And that's, the, that's what I choose to be bothered by. And the second thing, the second phase of, of hate, how I deal with this hate and most, well, that most people can't, is because criticism only hurts if you feel like it's true. To me, criticism only stings. It only gets to you. It only feels painful if that criticism feels like it's true. For example, I, I keep bringing up Phil, right? Yeah. Phil has a six pack. And like I, the other day I was like, Phil, you're looking fat, bro. And guess what <laughs> Phil did? He pulled up his shirt. He's like, look at my six pack. He doesn't care. Why? Because he knows if, he, if I call him fat, underneath his, underneath his shirt is a six pack. Obviously, I was joking with him. Yeah. Like we were just playing around. But like criticism, if, if you don't feel like it's a true thing, it doesn't hurt you. So when people come to me and they're like, Caleb, my mom told me that I don't, you know, she doesn't believe in my vision and it hurts a lot. And number one, I'm like, I get it. Like, like it does not feel good when someone doesn't like believe in you. At the same time, the only reason it hurts is because you don't fully believe in yourself. Because mm. I've had people tell me, I've had family members tell me that they don't believe in my vision. They don't believe in my mission. And guess what? Like, I believe in me. So why do I need you to believe in me? Like, I mean, kids in, uh, in school used to tell me, like, why are you bringing in that, that big success book? Like, what do you think? You're going to become successful? You know, only 1% of people make it. Why do you think you're going to be the 1%? You'd have to get lucky. They would make fun of me. And now those exact same kids message me and they're like, can I get a shout out on Instagram? Right? That's, that's how it works. So criticism only hurts if it feels like it's true. And, and anytime I get criticized and it hurts me, I more so go, man, where in my life is that true? And if it's mm. not true, then guess what? I need to let go of it because it's not true. So how do I deal with criticism? 99% of it, someone comments on my video and is like, you know, you're the problem with society. I know it's not true. I know like I'm, I'm helping people. If someone comments and says, you're too enthusiastic and too loud. Why would that hurt me? Because I know too many people are silent. Like I want to be loud because the world's, the hate out there in the world's so loud that if I'm not loud, then, then I'm not going to be able to silence all the hate. So I, that's a long answer for how I deal with criticism. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it, man. That was, that was powerful. That was powerful stuff. So earlier in the show, you mentioned that you've written, what, nine books so far? Yeah. When, when did you write your first book? I wrote my first book when I was 13 years old. Wow. Why did you, why? Like why write a book at 13 years old? I, it's really the why behind everything I do. And that's, I, I want to impact people. Okay. Like ever since I was nine years old, my dad's had me, you know, first of all, I, I remember where I was at. I remember my dad and I, we lived in a Sunday school room. We had $7 in our bank account. It was, uh, we, you know, I remember having no confidence, being insecure. I messed up teeth. I was the shortest kid in my class. I just remember I was addicted to video games. I remember where I was at, where I was at and I remember now I, now I know where I'm at now and the transformation I had and what these things, you know, personal growth and learning the right things. I know what that did for me. So it's like everything that I do is to help people have the exact same transformation I have because I know what it feels like to be there and I know where it feels like to be where I'm at now. So for me, like it's such an addictive feeling of that transformation I had that I want other people to have that transformation. That's my entire focus. So even like writing the first book, I knew that I read a book when I was younger that changed my life forever. First book, my dad paid me twenty dollars. The Success Principles. I read the first chapter. In chapter one, I was already changed. By the time I was done with it, change even more. Next book I read, change even more. I knew how transformational it was for me to be impacted by that book, and I wanted other kids out there to have the exact same transformation I had because I started talking to other kids, and now I was confused. Hmm. You know, and I was like, man, like they don't think the way I think. And it's not because I'm special. It's because I had this special opportunity to have a dad who gave me this book. 
and another thing was back then, like I, I remember reading these books and I was nine years old, 10 years old. And these books were huge. They were long, they were boring, right? It was, <laughs> it was by an adult. I couldn't hear, understand all the words. So I, I, I knew I wanted to impact people. And I was like, man, okay, if I want to impact people and reading a book is what changed my life. And at the same time, there's no books out there for kids by a kid that's relatable, that's short, that's quick, that has analogies and shares. So I was like, why don't I write a book? And I, the first book I wrote was called Keys to Success for Kids. It was a book for kids telling about how you know I had this transformation, how they can have the exact same transformation. And I wrote the book and it ended up, you know, it, it took a while to kind of take off, but I, I, I pushed through, I went and sold on the streets. I did so many different things to get out there. Ended up selling thousands of copies of the, uh, of the book. And it was, you know, out of everything, like, like that's why I now do everything with Apex and everything is because that first thing I did, that was, I started seeing all these kids have transformations and it became this addictive feeling of like, man, I need to impact more people. I need more people's lives to be changed. And, uh, and that, that was the motive behind it was like, it, I knew there was a need and everything I do was to solve a problem. Hmm. Everything in my life, like, I think the problem with most people is they're trying to solve their own problems rather than trying to solve problems. Solve problems for others. And like the quickest way to solve your problems is to go out there and solve problems for other people. Hmm. And uh, that's like, for me, I, I saw this big problem of there's no personal growth out there from a kid to a kid, relatable, fun. That's why I wrote that first book and that's why I have Apex for Kids now. Straight up. So if a listener is like, again, 17, 18, 19 years old and they haven't found like the problem that they want to solve yet, what are some strategies that they could implement to start like looking around themselves and seeing like, what is a problem that I could like devote my focus into solving? I mean, I think number one, like, like don't just solve problems that make people's lives easier, solve problems that make people's lives better. Hmm. Like a lot of people, they're like, how can I make this app that saves people a little bit of time? Like that, that's great. And I think that's like a lot of problems be solved there. But also like, I think people focus so much on how do we make people's lives easier? But it's also like, how do we make people's lives better? How do we actually impact people's lives and change the world? And also another thing is like, understand you're not gonna know right away. I had the privilege of knowing really young, even like I didn't know really the problem I was solving until just about like, honestly, the last like six months. Wow. Yeah, like, I mean, I've been trying different things, testing different things, and I, I did a, a health company for kids, and there were so many different things I tried to do, um, and, and it all came back to the first book I ever wrote, like, was Personal Growth for Kids, and I realized, man, that, that's what needs to happen, like, teaching kids the right things in the right way. So, like, understand, if you don't know what problem you need to solve, it's okay, and there's so many other problems out there that you can help people solve. And I think a lot of people, you know, they talk about how uh, you're not an entrepreneur if you work for someone else, or you're not, like, like, joining someone else's mission in the meantime is, is actually a good thing to do. There's so many people out there that are already solving problems, that are doing amazing things and, and impacting people in a lot of ways. Join with them, learn from them, like like impact people in that way. And I think like, if you don't, I, I believe this, like the real key to success, I know people talk about that a lot, but it's <laughs> obsession, being mm -hmm. obsessed with something. All successful people found what they were obsessed with. And it wasn't something that they enjoyed it was something they they obsessed over it wasn't something they liked to do it was something they had to do a lot of people they, they think that work ethic is the key to success and that's cool but the problem with work ethic is you think i need to work yeah but what's better than work ethic is obsession and what obsession is is i literally cannot work because all i can think about is working i have a mission that is so addictive to me that the only thing that i can do is work on this thing it's not I need to work, it's I have to work because it's a, it's a mission. So the ultimate trait of a successful person is obsession. They all have it. So if you don't know what your obsession is, if you don't know what to obsess over yet, then you have one simple goal, to obsess over finding your obsession. That should be your current obsession. And you know how you do that? You try things. Like I had a, you know, whenever I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a magician. 
I was obsessing over being a magician. So I did. Ma I had a magic show called Magic in the Mind, and I did it on YouTube, right? <laughs> I think it got like one video had a thousand views, and I, I was freaking out, right? Uh, I thought it was juggling, then I thought it was baseball, and then I thought it was, um, you know, there, there were so many different things that I tried to do, so many different companies I tried to start, you know, then I, like. I had so many things, but I was doing things. And it's like people try to find their obsession without trying to find it. It's like, I, I, you know, okay, I'm trying to find my obsession. What do I do? It's like as if you're trying to find a set of keys. Hmm. Like, like, like you can't just say, you can't sit on the couch and be like, I need to find my keys. You need to go look for your keys. Same thing. You can't say I need to find my obsession. You need to go look for your obsession. Like what is the obsession that I need to like obsess over? Uh, or like what, what's the, I just start obsessing over finding your obsession. So that, that's what I would say. Like if you don't know what the problem is you need to solve yet, obsess over finding that problem that just catches you. Once you have it, it'll click. Every because I mean, people, those people who don't find it till they're 40 and that's okay. I'm privileged to have found it at a young age. At the same time, there's so much that you can do in that meantime. And life is a journey. A lot of people, they're, they're so, they want the destination so bad, but I look back and where I'm at now, I'm just as fulfilled as I was four years ago, six years ago. Life doesn't change the more successful you become, but the more the more fulfilled that you feel will change the more successful you become. So it's like, enjoy the journey of not knowing. I, I remember times where I didn't know what I wanted to do. Those were fun times. Just trying to figure out, see what I wanted to do. I didn't know, but like I enjoyed that process. Enjoy the process of not knowing what problem you solve and realize if you're young, if you're 17, 18, 19, 20, 25, 27, 32, you're young. You were young and it's like, it's okay that you don't know yet, but it's not okay that, you, that you're not trying to know. And that's the thing. A lot of people, I ask them like, what do you want to be? Uh, this is another thing I ask people. Yeah. Whenever I'm like in a, a restaurant, I talk to a waiter, waitress. Sure. I'm like, what's your dream job? Hmm. And it shocks me how people look at me and they've never even thought about it. It's like, it's okay. You don't know. If you say, I don't know, but I'm like, but you can tell if someone doesn't think about it. The majority of people don't think about it. They're like a plastic bag in the middle of a parking lot, floating during a hurricane that's what they're like like they're just floating around they don't know like have some direction have a mission even if you don't know what that mission is make your mission to be looking for your mission you know that, that's what i would say straight up so earlier in the show you mentioned that you made your first million by 16 and i'm sure a lot of our listeners are like well shoot how did he do that so <laughs> walk us through like what what brought you there so there was a lot of different things that that did that it was accumulation of a lot number one i started a publishing company okay. called maddox publishing and because i wrote a book and it helped me get my message out there and impact people and i realized man i don't just want to influence people but i also want to influence the people that influence people hmm. because that's one of the greatest ways to do it so i started a publishing company to help people write their first book and also get it out there to people because what good is having a book and not getting out there so that did extremely well i made a million dollars off of that alone and uh, got that in a lot of people's hand impact a lot of people maddox publishing um so that was one uh, another thing was you know, i had a lot of videos go extremely viral online so a lot of people wanted to reach out and do different business deals and do stuff together and a lot of people also wanted me to come speak at their events hmm. and i got to the place where at i think i was 14 years old I closed a speaking uh, engagement for $25,000. Wow. So I, this, like, by the time I was 15, like, it was just consistent to where I was actually turning away a lot of speaking engagements. So for, for like, there was so many different things that accumulated that. First thing was Maddox Publishing. You know, then there was speaking, selling books. There were so many different things that I did to get my message out there. Um, so that, that's, how, that's how I made my first million at 16. Straight up. So bouncing off public speaking, a lot of listeners have, have come to me and they're like, man, I want to get started speaking in front of people. How do I do that? Do you have any advice for the young listener who might want to get into that area of, of doing things? Become someone who's worthy of speaking in front of people. Like the reason I got paid $25,000 to speak was not because 
I had some crazy marketing thing is because I had a message that people wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were like, well, you know, what did you do before that? Like for me, I, I had one focus and that was changing people's lives. And I did that with so many kids and so many businesses wanted to know how are you reaching so many people organically, not spending any money? Like how are you reaching 10 million people with one video? How is that possible? Yeah. So I had a lot of people having me come out to their events and do it. And I was the person that was capable of being able to speak on stage like that. I had a message people wanted to hear. I presented myself. So it's like, if you want to be speaking and you want to get people wanting you to speak, then be that person. Like everything comes back to who you are. Like who you are is the magnet for everything that you get. Who you are creates what you get. So for me, I wasn't focused on becoming a great speaker. I was focused on becoming a great person, inputting the right information, learning the right things, growing, creating, doing things. And, and it started to come to me because I was this, you know, at 14, you know, people were blown away by the way I thought, the way I operated, the way I acted. And they reached out. And the second thing was, if you want to become a speaker, guess what? Start speaking. Like, <laughs> like, like, it's like people ask me, like, you know, like, how do I become a speaker? It's like, well, how do you become a basketball player? Start dribbling, start yeah. shooting, start playing, join a league. Like, like you got to become a basketball player if you want to become a basketball player. How do you become a, you know, how do I make the NBA? Well, what's an NBA player? A basketball player. Well, first, become a basketball player. If you're playing football, then, you know, you're not going to become an NBA player until you start playing basketball. Same thing with speaking. If you want to become a speaker, then start speaking. And a lot of people, they're like, well, I don't have any speaking engagements yet. But what people don't realize is I did so much in the beginning, like, I spoke to homeless shelters and fatherless kids, and I would go to nursing homes and speak. And you know, I would go and speak to a local business, and I would meet a random person. I'd be like, "Do you know any local businesses?" And they would mm -hmm. say yes, and I'd be like, "Okay, can I come speak to them for free?" I did so many free things before I was ever able to charge twenty-five thousand dollars for a speech. Like that's an absurd thing, but I did. I did twenty-five hundred speeches before I was ever able to do that. So it's like, you want to become a speaker? Become a speaker. You know, that's mm -hmm. what started. You want to become a best-selling author? Become an author. You want to become a, you know, a football player? Start throwing a football. You want to become a, an, an entrepreneur? What's an entrepreneur? They have a business. Well, do you, not have, do you have a business yet? No. Well, then you're not an entrepreneur. So it started a bit. It's always the first step, and people always try to jump so far ahead. Yeah. Like, take the first. And let's see. Like, it's like the most cliche thing. Like, <laughs> like, there should be a Nike shirt that says, take the first step. Right? That's what you see. Yeah. But it's like, well, it's cliche for a reason. People say something over and over again because it works. What is the first step? Oprah even talks about this. Oprah talks about how when she was younger, her only focus was what's the next move. People always focus on checkmate, right? You need to know that the goal is checkmate, but you can't know the exact algorithm to get to checkmate because you don't know what the other move is. You don't know how life unfolds in very weird ways. There's no way I should be where I'm at right now. Everything unfolded and it's about making it happen, but also letting it happen in a lot of ways too. Hmm. So for me, I was like, like I didn't know any of the when I'm the actions I'm taking right now I did not know three years ago, but three years ago I knew the action I was taking right then. So I just show what's the next move? What is the next move for me? And that's what Oprah did, and she continues to ask this today. And like I have a flow book, and I, I write in every single day. And basically, what a flow book is is I have this notebook that I write in daily, every single day. It's an input. What are my inputs? Because a lot of people have output goals that I want to change the world, but I'm like, I'm not going to change the world unless every single day I get there. So I have this input, and it's a flow book. And every single day I write in that flow book. And one of the things I write down in this flow book is I write down next move. Hmm. What is the next move for the day? What am I getting done today? What's the next move in my life that's going to get me to the checkmate? And that's what it comes down to. It's like, what is my next move? And I think people overcomplicate it. They make it this long process. It's like, all right, identify your checkmate. Ask yourself the next move. Make that move. 
Straight up. You may once you make a move, then you're making moves. People are like, <laughs> you know, you're making moves, Caleb. It's like I'm making moves because I'm making moves. You know, like I'm I'm moving, I'm doing things, I'm I'm in action. Mm. So how do you how do you balance? Because like social media is a big part of what you do right now. Like you've got a large social presence. How do you balance that sort of like taking action with the social media side of things and like get, not getting too caught up in like that world versus like the real world? I don't get caught up in that world because I'm not in that world. I'm in my world, hmm. and and my world is is one thing to change the world. And a lot of people they're like they get in these industries, they get in these things. Like to me, I'm not in any industry. I'm in the industry of one thing: human beings. Hmm. Human beings, that's my focus. So for me, like social media, I, a lot of people view social media as an occupation. I just view it as a tool. Hmm. You know, like, like it's, like a, it's like a construction worker saying, I'm a hammer. It's like, it, <laughs> no, like, like you're not a hammer. Like you're a construction worker. You may use a hammer. Like for me, social media is so far from how I identify myself. I'm not an, a social media influencer. Yeah, I may be an influencer in some ways, but that's not who I am. Who I am is Caleb Maddox, and Caleb Maddox has one focus, and that's to change the world. It's the only focus Caleb has. That's what I will focus on for the rest of my life. And social media is one of the number one tools to do that. Because why? Social media. Guess who's, guess who's on that? Human beings. What is my focus? Changing human beings. Human beings are there. So I don't get caught up with that because that's not what I'm caught up with. Mm. It's, just, it's just a tool for me. It's a hammer to my building I'm trying to create. So I just use it as a tool. 100%. You know? I'm glad you brought that up, man. Because that's something that I've been grappling with a lot lately. It's just like realizing how to use social media more as a tool and less as an occupation because like it, it can be a great tool for you to spread your message but like if that is your one thing um you, you need to have like a foundational like facts business a, that you're building. another thing is use social media as as a creator not as a consumer yeah that's another thing i don't cr i don't consume anything on social media really i'm not like whenever i'm on social media i'm not consuming i'm not watching you know, uh, like these in funny Instagram videos. I mean, sometimes it catches me because yeah, social yeah, media yeah. is good at that, right? <laughs> but like, that's not my focus. I even have a time limit on Instagram for one minute, one minute. And I like, if I have to go on there a little bit longer, I'll click remind me in, in 15 minutes because, you know, Insta uh, you know, uh, Apple's good with that. If you don't have an iPhone, you got to step it up, mm, get an iPhone. Step it up. Yeah, man. But, um, so I have like, that, like, a, like a lot because I don't want to be on social media a lot. If I have to go on there to post, great, because I'm creating. I'm putting stuff out. I'm influencing people. But I don't want to consume. Mm. And if I am going to consume, it's going to be on YouTube, and I'm going to specifically go there not to, not to roll through and whatever. I'm going to go there to type in Jeff Bezos, you know, um, Sam Ovens, whoever it might be, yeah. right? Like I don't know who it is, but I'll search and like like study, like Stan Lee. I want to like know what's his story. Like mm -hmm. he created the cool things. Like I, if I'm consuming, it's information, but I don't consume social media as in an, in an entertaining way. I consume it in an educational way, mm -hmm. and and that that's how I view social media. Is like it's one of the greatest tools on the planet for two things: creation and education. But it, I, if used as entertainment, it's it's ruining you. You can't get entertained by social media because it's. You get lost in that world. You focus on other people. When you focus on other people, guess what you're not focusing on? Your own life and what you're creating. So I think people need to make that switch of creating rather than consuming. Like people, people, you know, when, once again, people ask me, how do you deal with hate? It's like there's two people in the world. There's creators and there's consumers. There's people who's creating the world that we live in and there's people that's consuming the world we live in. And whenever people look at me and they say, Caleb, like, you know, you know, how do you deal with hate? I'm like, dude, haters are consumers. Mm. And guess what they're consuming? The world that we live in. Guess what I'm doing? Creating the world we live in. So if a hater looks at me and they hate on me, you know what I say? Hey, hater, it's okay. You're living in my world because I don't <laughs> even care, right? Like that's the way that I think about it and comes back to the exact same thing with social media. Creation rather than consuming. If you are consuming anything, make it educational and make it intentional. Not just educational, but intentional education. 
Straight educationally up. educationally like people they go on and they just like find stuff like I have a learning process. I don't like to learn without going through this learning process. Hmm. And the learning process is I identify what am I trying to learn? Yeah. What am I trying to get out of this? Am I trying to learn how to be how, am I trying to learn how to meditate? Am I trying to learn how to, you know, embrace the the dark traits of myself so I can work on those and chisel away? Am I trying to learn how to be more productive? And I say, okay, that's what I'm trying to learn on. Then I ask myself, who has the knowledge? Who's who has not just the knowledge, but the actual, not just the information, but the application as well of what I'm trying to learn? And I go and I say, okay, this is the end goal. This is who knows the end goal. And I study that one person. And once I got the information, I it's complete, task complete. And a lot of people, they don't complete tasks is another thing. I'm just kind of ranting now, but a <laughs> lot of people it. don't complete tasks. They do a lot of tasks. They, get, they do a lot, but they don't get a lot of things done. There's a big differentiation between those two things. I don't like to do a lot. I like to get a lot done. Like Life's not about what you do. It's about what you get done. Because a lot of people do stuff, and they're like, a, like an energy ball that just disperses in a lot of different areas. right? They just have a lot of energy going out. Boom, 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 boom but they don't have a linear energy. Hmm. So like if you have to understand we are balls of energy and if your energy is dispersing in a lot of places, guess what that means? You're not going very far. Yeah. Because all your energy is kind of going out. But if you can take all that energy and put it into one thing, that thing's beaming, like focus. It's a linear energy. It's energy towards one end objective. And once you complete that thing, you put that your energy right back into another objective. And people don't do that. They're, they're so, their life's sporadic because they let so many things pull at their energy. So many conversations and so many different posts and so many people they follow and so many events and so much pools of their energy that nothing is actually getting done. They're just dispersing a little bit of energy a lot. It's not about dispersing a little bit of energy a lot. It's about dispersing a lot of energy to a little bit of one thing and getting that thing done till it's complete. And that's what I do with learning as well. Like, okay, I'm going to disperse all my energy. I turn off all devices. I turn off everything. It's okay. So this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning it from. And th- this is the end outcome. Once the end outcome is complete, then I go, whatever the next task is, I do that. Linear energy, boom, it's complete. Okay, cool. Got it done. I learned that thing. And that's how I consume. It's intentional. It's not just consuming information. And that comes back to your previous question. This is getting like a lot deeper, but a lot of people talk about how do we, uh, you, know, you know, how do you not just learn, but actually do? Well, it comes back to be learning intentionally. A lot of people, they just have podcasts on 24-7. They're just listening. So it's like, if you're coming to this podcast right now, amazing listen to it you're already doing a phenomenal job but like don't just listen to it and consume it but actually be intentional with what you're consuming say okay caleb said this how can i do it right now what's the immediate implementation and how do i know that you know what i just learned how do i know it's implemented how do i know it's a part of who i am how do i know it's a part of who of what my identity is see this is the next level stuff you know like i like phil phil i've talked about you a lot bro phil just walked in the room by the way um (laughs) like phil like he has like a six-pack right and i watch him in the gym he didn't just have a six pack. My man's Jack, but yeah, I, I watch him in the gym, and it's like a lot of people go into the gym and they just lift weights, mm-hmm. right? They're just like they just ah, and like Phil does a he. It's not that he does a lot differently. It's it's that he does the little things differently, and that's why he looks a lot different. It's the you know the whole eighty twenty rule. It's the twenty percent of actions that most people take that's going to produce the eighty percent results that most people never get. Like it's the little things. It's the little extra things that compound over time compounding like exponential growth is the most powerful principle on earth like like you do something every single day and every single day it grows boom 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 boom. like warren buffett warren buffett is not as genius as people think he is he's just genius at one thing and he simplified life down to realizing compound interest is real exponential growth is real and if you do things consistently it doesn't just add on and like like add more and more it actually starts to multiply and multiply and multiply. 
So like when you listen to stuff like this, like don't just be thinking like about the service level stuff. Hear the little things that people talk about in these podcasts. Hear that one thing they say that no one else does. Not the obvious thing that they said, but that one little thing. Like you guys heard me talk about linear energy. Go implement that today. Say, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna operate with linear energy. I'm gonna say instead of doing a lot today, I'm gonna do one thing a little bit. I talked to a billionaire, he's 28 years old, and I said, How do I become a billionaire by 28? And he said, very simple. Do five actions every single day that move the needle. Not 25 actions, but five actions, and really only one of those actions should be a big action and do it until completion. Completion equals completion. A lot of people don't feel complete. They don't have complete results. They don't have complete lives. They're not complete. They, they feel so unbalanced because they don't complete things. Complete actions leads to getting complete results. Guaranteed, it's inevitable. It's these little inputs that lead to the big outputs. Absolutely. Caleb, that was extremely powerful, man. And you've been dropping a ridiculous amount of value on this episode. I'm super thankful for that. Now I have some questions that I like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up the show. Are you feeling ready for those? Dude, I'm feeling massively ready. Let's get it out. Let's, <laughs> Let's get, it. get it. All right. The first thing I'm curious about, and I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of answers for this, but what is something that genuinely has Caleb Maddox excited right now? First of all, you have an iPhone, right? Yeah. Good stuff. I was gonna say Apple needs an <laughs> Apple. Right? That's good. Um, what am I genuinely excited about right yeah. now? The future. Mm. I'm genuinely, like I, I used to be not super excited because I looked at the human race. I'm like, man, we're not going down the best path. <laughs> but I know for a fact that the goal with Apex, what we're doing, I know it's going to make a shift. I know it. So I'm excited for the future. And I'm like, I feel like one of the most, one of the things that I'm most blessed about is the fact I'm 17, I'm young, and yeah. there's so much ahead. So I'm genuinely excited about the future. And like that, I'm genuinely excited about just like, I don't know, like the fact I can be excited. The fact I'm alive. The fact that existence is, is existing. Like, I know, like, we're getting deeper. Like, the further we go on a podcast, the more we get into it. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away that more people, like, what, why do you even need a reason to be excited? Why do you need a reason to be genuinely excited? Hmm. Your genuine excitement should come from the pure fact that you're literally alive. Not the cliche thing of, you should be grateful because you woke up this morning. But think about that. Like, there's a billion systems and processes that's happening in the world right now for you to be able to breathe. Like, if you think about, like, most of the world's oxygen comes from the Amazon rainforest. And the Amazon rainforest has all these things. It has a, a river in the sky with clouds. Like, look up all this scientific stuff. You think about all this stuff that's happening with Earth just for you to be alive. That's what I'm genuinely excited about. The fact I can even be excited and the fact I'm not in the middle of a grave right now and then the, that, that, that Earth even exists and the fact that everything compounded for us to be alive, that's what I'm excited about. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well um, either in your business or your lifestyle? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many of them. I think, there, I mean, really there's four areas of life. There's physical, financial, relational, and spiritual. Those are the four areas. So I have habits in all those areas. So I think the habit of having, of having habits hmm. has been the most influential. Because there's so many habits that I have that like I couldn't narrow it down to one that's sure. been influential. Honestly, just the habit of having habits. Because most people don't have habits. Yeah. I mean, everyone has habits. Hmm. But they don't have habits that serve them. So the habit of creating habits that serve me is what I would say has, has served me the most. Any advice for a younger listener who wants to get in that habit of developing habits? Yeah, I would say, um, well, just determine like what's the end outcome? Like what is the output that you want? And like we talked about earlier, what's the inputs that create that? So if you want the output of, you know, I, first of all, there's a few inputs that everyone should have. Number one, you should have inputs of obviously consuming the right information. Yep. Cause like everyone's born with a blank canvas is what I believe. You know, like Albert Einstein, the first day he was born was no smarter than I was. Like, no, like literally there's nothing in his DNA that made him smarter. He just had an obsessive hunger to learn and that compounded into guess what? Him being the icon of what it means to be genius. 
So like, it's not that he's a genius, it's that he became a genius because of his habit and his input of loving to learn. So I think like having the input of a hunger to learn, which you guys, if you're listening to this, you're already doing it. The fact you're not watching you know, some vlog on YouTube or some Netflix show, that's a, that's a solid sign. Having the habit of learning, is that's what I would say. You know why? Because people, people ask me for advice. I'm like, listen, the best advice I could ever give you is to continue to want to know advice, continue to want to learn because there's a billion things I could tell you right now, but if you have a hunger to learn, you're gonna end up developing the right habits because you're gonna study. My, you know what, I, I'm gonna narrow it down to make it even more simple. Mm-hmm. The number one habit I would develop is understanding those power and patterns and obsessing over those patterns. Obsess over the patterns of the people you want to be. That's when, because if you wanna become someone, then guess what? They have that output that you want, they obviously had inputs that created the output. What are the patterns of inputs that every single one of those people had across the board? Not just like this one person had this one input because that's coincidental. But I'm talking about the consistent patterns across the board of people that you wanna be. What are those patterns? And have the habit and the thing of implementing those patterns. That's the thing that will serve you the most. Mm, I love it. So you mentioned that you're very intentional about the content you consume. Uh, recently, who have been some of the creators whose content you have been consuming that you think would be valuable for a younger audience? So I've been studying a lot of Stan Lee. Okay. Stan Lee, believe it or not, he created Spider-Man and yeah. Iron Man, all that stuff. <laughs> Legend. Uh, we have some cool things in the works with uh, with that. You guys will see that soon. But um, So I've been studying a lot of him purely because just like he's just a creative genius. And mm. I don't know, it's been the way. I have a lot of waves. So mm. for me... Honestly, there's no one person. It's just I had to find what am I trying to learn right now, and I kind of study that. Sure. So it's like that, you know. Uh, another thing I've been studying a lot is like Jesus Christ, hmm. um, because like he changed the world. Like we still know him to this day. Like he, the, he. I mean, a billion people believe in what he created. Yeah. For us, like we're trying to have eight billion people be impacted. So like, all right, we have this output that we want of changing the world, of impacting eight billion people. So what I ask myself is. Who has had that output before? Jesus, even Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, you know, made a wave, had a mil- like millions of people hear his message before there was ever social media. So like I study people like that, hmm. you know? And, and I feel like when you elevate who you're studying, that's whenever you elevate to. A lot of people study too many low level people. Not that they're low level, but it's like, what do you want? And like study that only. Yeah. Like if you want, to become a millionaire and study millionaires, that's great. You wanna become a billionaire, study billionaires. You wanna become an astronaut, study astronauts. You know, So for me, I wanna change the world, so I study people that change the world. I love it, man. So one thing that I'm super curious about as well is the things that you do in your business that you choose not to scale. So to give you a quick example of the context of what I'm talking about, like every single day I'll go on Instagram, I'll pick out like five to 10 new followers from the last 24 hours, shoot them a quick video message, be like, hey, Caleb, how's it going? Um, Thank you so much for the follow. Let me know if there's any way that I can add value to anything that you're doing. Have a wonderful day. Something super simple like that, but just like bringing me back to like why I'm actually on social media and it's to connect with people. And like, I don't bring one of my VAs on to do that all day for me because that would defeat the purpose. So is there anything that comes to mind for you that has that personal like Caleb Maddox to it that you choose not to scale in, in any of your business ventures? I mean, exactly like you said, like interacting with people, like relationships is what I would say. Mm. Um, and I'm even trying to get better at this because, you know, sometimes you can get so caught up in the clouds whenever your goal is to impact yeah. 8 billion people that you forget 8 billion people are people. You know, it's not this group. It's it's a set of, it's a group of individuals. So for me, like, and this is something like I learned from Phil. Phil like just cares about people so genuinely that he'll have a 45 minute conversation with someone and get nothing in return. So for me, it's just like like relationships, I think, is the number one thing that I know won't scale. But even that, like I'm still trying to scale that because like, like I wanna impact people at the same time. I don't just wanna impact people. I wanna create a system that impacts people because 
in, in life, one action solves one problem, but one system solves that problem for life. So one conversation impacts one person, but one system of how did I impact that person doing that skill, that, solve, that, that impacts the entire human race. So it's like, for me, it's this balance between doing the unscalable, but also scaling the unscalable. Like, it's just, but I love that question. I think that's good. Like, interacting with people in relationships, though. Yeah, I, I love that answer, man. You really, you really, you, you dove into that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, Caleb, where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, if they've been enjoying the mass amounts of value that you've been dropping in this episode? Where's the best place to follow up with you at and learn more about the projects you're working on? Two things. Number one, don't follow me because, I, like, I don't want people to follow me. All right? Like, because. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care about numbers. Yeah. Like one, like a follow, great, one number goes up, people think I'm cooler, feels good, great. For me, I don't want people to follow me, I want people to follow the movement that we're creating. Yeah. And even if they do follow me and that's their avenue, that's great. You know, Obviously, I'm, I'm at Caleb Maddox on all social media, but really the main thing is follow the movement of Apex, because that's the real thing we're creating, and I'm just a small, little, intricate part of that. Um, so it's apexforkids.com if you want to find out more about what we're doing with the kids and, and all that stuff, so Apex the number four kids.com. And the second thing is, once again, don't follow me. Follow my man Apple because you're doing some good stuff, bro. So subscribe to his podcast. Check him out on social media because, uh, I mean, you obviously heard me from him. So if he has me on, like, he's going to have a lot of other great guests as well. And uh, there's so many other messages out there from so many other amazing people. So I'll tell them to follow you too, bro. I appreciate that, my man. I appreciate that. Caleb, um, and I'll be sure to link up all those in the show notes as well for our listeners. If they forget how to spell for a second, they can uh, go over there and check those out. But um, what do you have any last like closing thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to shut the show out here with today? Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out there real quick. I just shared this on my story, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. And that's create a filtration system, all right? Oh, I, I like this. Yeah, like yeah, this. yeah. Well, basically what a filtration system is this, like, it's a question that you filter your life through. So for me, my filtration system is, would the Caleb Maddox is going to change the world take this action? If the answer is yes, I do. And if the answer is no, I don't. And it's like a fish tank, right? Like, think about it like a fish tank. People, like, they, they wonder why their life is so cloudy and why they don't feel clear and why there's so much going on. Because the problem with people's lives isn't that they don't have enough motivation or they don't have enough momentum. It's that they don't have enough clarity for, for the momentum to leak through. It's like, that's like saying the sun. Like, it's not a sunny day today. I, I, when people say that, I laugh. I'm like, it's always a sunny day. The sun's always there. The sun is <laughs> always up. You know, the sun's always up. It's always as hot as it is. It's always as bright as it is. The only days it's not sunny is guess when? When the clouds... Are, are in the sky. Yeah. It's not that the sun's not there, it's just that the clouds are covering it. It's the exact same thing with motivation, momentum, and everything. It's not that you're not motivated, it's not that you don't have momentum, it's that there's some lack of clarity that's creating that. Hmm. And the reason why people don't have clarity, the reason why their, their life is cloudy, is because they don't have a filtration system that filters the clouds away. What I mean by that, it's like a fish tank. Like people, they, like think about a filter. What, you know, the, if you have a filter on, the fish tank stays clear. And if you don't, algae builds up. It's not a good environment for fish to swim in. That's how it goes. So it's like in life, you need a filtration system that you filter everything you do through. You take an action. It's like, okay, people just do a lot of things, but it's like they wonder why they do a lot of things. and They're, they're just confused and they take like not intentional action. And they wonder why they get such sporadic results and sporadic motivation. And they, they're motivated one moment and not motivated the other. They have moments in one moment, they're not the next. They're successful one moment, they start to fail the next. Like they wonder why everything's so cloudy and unclear. It's because you're not filtering your life through a basic concept of one question. Would the apple that's going to have the number one podcast in the world take this action or whatever your goal may be, right? Mm-hmm. Like creative filtrationism and, and create, basically what a filtrationism is, it's very, very plainly put, it's a question. And every single time you go to take an action, like you say, how do you, you know, make sure to not get caught up with social media? It's because you can't whenever you have a filtration system because it's like, okay, 
with the Kale Maddox is going to change the world, be watching this video. With the Kale Maddox is going to change the world, connect with this person. With the Kale Maddox is going to change the world, go to this event. With the Kale Maddox is going to change the world, post this, this thing. Everything I do, I filter it through this question and it ends up making my life clear. It makes momentum inevitable and it makes results inevitable. So that's how I would say like final thing. I know that's like another whole thing on top of it, <laughs> but create a filtration system and don't just think about it. Do it right now. Like actually write down would the blank, whatever your name is, that's going to accomplish blank, take this action and every action you ever take and get to the place where it becomes subconscious. Yeah. Would they take this action? What that does is it makes you the person that you need to be to get the result that you want. That's the formula. It's the formula for life. I love it. Caleb, you've dropped so much value into the listener. Like if you went through this entire podcast and we're not intentionally consuming it, I literally want you guys to restart it. Go back with your notebook, with your pen and paper and like literally take notes on this because there was some amazing, amazing value that Caleb provided. He, he gave you so many like between linear energy, between the filtration system, like there was so much in this episode that you can go out there and actually implement today. So I really want you guys to go through and, and actually do that if you didn't do that the first time through. Caleb, uh, man, I just want to say thank you again for having me here, um, for hopping on the show. I really, I I appreciate it and I appreciate your time, dude. You're the man, bro. Appreciate it. Shout out to everyone who listened, who took time out of their day. Keep following my man, Apple. He has a cool name, but he's also a cool dude. Let's get it. <laughs> appreciate it. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this latest episode of Young Smart Money and got a ton of value out of it. If you did, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It only takes about five seconds. If you're walking the dog, if you're going to the gym, pull that phone out of your pocket, press that subscribe button, and uh, drop us some love in the ratings and review sections as well. Those really do help the podcast get in front of even more people and helps us get even more amazing guests on the show. And I do read each and every one of your ratings, reviews, message that you send me. Uh, they, they really do impact me and the show and show me exactly what you want to be seeing here on Young Smart Money. So again, do not forget to drop us a rating, review, and subscribe over in iTunes. And guys, have a wonderful day. Take care. And I really do appreciate you choosing to spend your time here with us on Young Smart Money. Have a wonderful day.